Again, as we move through the events of Revelation 21, we're more approaching it from the viewpoint of the reference to specific things than we are representing a specific chronology by which these things come. There are times when there is a chronology inferred, but this epoch is mostly one in which spiritual reality dominates natural reality, all the while summarizing massive titles or massive subjects or even unresolved issues within the scriptures. So it's moving inexorably to a greater understanding and revealing, which is why the book, The Revelation, is so titled, the revealing of the original intents of God. So again, now I saw chapter 21 verse 1, the book of Revelation, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. We, we actually started out with, then I saw, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now I'll come back to some remaining matters relating to the spiritual Jerusalem that is from above and the mother of us all. I'll come back to that because there's some other things to be looked at such as the tabernacle of God being in present and God dwelling with them. We need to look at such things as the arrangement of this city in terms of its foundations, its gates, its walls and so on because what we will see, what we will see is how all of what is true about the body of Christ has been pulled together in this reference. But I, want to, I wanted to step back just a bit, so a new heaven and a new, and a new earth. First heaven, first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Now the first, uh, the first heaven and the first earth were separate from each other, separate realms separated by a firmament and the first heaven was a staging area for eternal things to be hosted in more completely their way and their form inasmuch as the first heaven was invisible and therefore not so bound by the limitations of the physical. And the first earth was physical, so things came out of heaven into the earth 
in a particular manifestation. Things coming out of the heavens into the earth manifested naturally. But we caught glimpses of the scope and power of their true meaning, but only glimpses for the most part. So when the Son of God, who was in the beginning with the Father, before there was even a heaven or an earth, when He comes first into the heavens and is seated upon the throne of divine authority, eternal authority, the authority that sustained the creation of heaven and earth. When He came to that, He waited in the heavens until it was time for Him to have a body prepared for Him and all the scriptures about what He would do coming out of the heavens, coming into the earth, coming in a human body, waited until the timing of the Lord. And then when He made His advent, heaven announced it, but pulled back from allowing Him and from Him choosing to call down the powers of heaven to make His earthly life, sojourn and ministry, to make that easier in any way. So He could call down legions of angels because in heaven He commanded them or He could give command to Michael who would in turn command them. He was Lord in heaven, seated upon the throne, awaiting that. So He would say, for example, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. He was not an observer so much as it was he was the one whose thoughts and whose commands heaven fully responded to in the time before he came into the earth. That's why he was the Lord of angels. It's why uh, names about him, uh, God with us, uh, are appropriate attributions because that's what he was in the beginning and in heaven. And by the way, the beginning and heaven are two different things. The beginning is when heaven and earth began to be issued out of the eternal. Before there was heaven, before there was earth, there was God and there was the eternal, the natural uh, form of the existence of God, eternal, age, endless ages, age upon age or endless ages. So when He came out of heaven, or, or heaven and earth at that time were separate and distinct, but there were these occasions whereupon heaven and earth, the reality of heaven collided with the reality of earth. But that was the old order, heaven and earth, the old heavens, the old earth. And the reason that they pass away, there are many reasons, but probably the central reasons are that heaven, all that was housed in heaven relating to the purposes of God, related, relating to how God sustained the heavens and the earth, how God 
empowered his will on the earth as it was in heaven, when all of that moves out of heaven into the earth, there's no longer purpose for those heavens. Similarly, whenever what was of the eternal, housed in heaven, but intending to migrate into the earth, whenever it came into the earth, it disrupted the order of the earth by introducing a superior economy to the earth than ever before there was on the earth. And again, we have flashes and glimpses of that in the life of Christ and as recorded in in New Testament events and so on. But when that which is heaven and that which is earth, when they come into the same space, the earth and the heavens are new because they now exist, they now exist for a different purpose. Always it was true, you know, that when God created the heavens and the earth, He created them to host and to entertain His purpose in creation, creation being divided between heaven and earth. When the two come together as one, what what was type and shadow and waiting in heaven has an expression on earth that was greater than it had when it was in heaven. And of course it upgraded the earth to be consistent with what the new epoch, the new economy and the new mandate was to be. What was the new mandate? What is the new mandate anyway? The new mandate is the rule of Christ on the earth by the authority of His throne and that in the company of all those who have been, who represent the redeemed of the earth. What is the point of this rule? The point of this rule is to, is to cause the saints, the children, the body of Christ frankly, to rule in the same manner in which Christ rules. Why? Because in ages yet to come, ages beyond the millennial age, the millennial is a a thousand year period designed to perfect the saints in the manner or in the matter of ruling they will rule exactly as Christ rules, there will be no distinction between what the head and the body do. Why? Because in the ages to come, beginning beginning with Christ handing up the kingdom to the Father at the end of the millennial age, and the Father coming and dwelling in the corpus of Christ, in the body of Christ, in the fashion of being all that He is in the corporate Christ. God will be 
all in all. So whatever God does in the future, this will be the format of what God does. This is not for the millennial age, this is what happens as a result of the millennial age because the millennial age is preparation for that. There are at least a couple of other major things to be accomplished in the millennial age. One is to remediate the disobedient sons, those who were received as sons but continued to live according to and for their own pleasure, who conflated their desires with the will of God and in that sense continued to be deceived during the time of their lifetime like their great ancestor Adam had been deceived. They will be brought into the millennial period, they'll be brought from heaven into the millennial age to be disciplined by strict obedience. They will learn obedience by the things they suffer, just the way we now have to learn obedience by the things we suffer, they like us can choose and if we, and Paul put it that way, if we choose to go our own way, Paul said, I might myself might become a castaway. So when I say we and us, I'm expressing my own hope that my journey is such that I will obey Him uh, and I'll obey the Holy Spirit in all matters that He directs me to do and so that it's not a keeping of account as to how often I obeyed, how often I disobeyed, but whether or not my heart changed to submit to and to obey and to walk under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I will obey, sometimes I won't obey, but incrementally I hope to be conformed fully to the likeness of Christ so that should I die, Before He returns, I will be in the company of those who partake in the first resurrection and if I'm alive when He comes, I will be transformed in an instant in the twinkling of an eye and mine will not be an assigned place with the unbelievers where disciplining is the goal, but instead His work in me as He intends would have been done by the time I see the Lord in in that capacity. Now then, that's the second thing, the remediation of those who were disobedient servants. The third thing and probably, well not probably, certainly one of the goals of the summarizing of all things at the end of this age is to expunge the taint of evil and rebellion from creation and to do so absolutely thoroughly. So much so that when the lake of fire does its work, everyone including Satan, the beast, the false prophet, 
and the nations that rejected God and the dead who died outside of Christ, having now been judged inasmuch as they must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, they become partakers of the second death, permanent separation from the presence of God and annihilation, consumption and, and annihilation to be forever obliterated and forgotten, purged entirely from creation with no future opportunity to affect anyone unrighteously or in rebellion against God. Those three things, the earth will see the glory of the rule of Christ. The saints or the the, the children of God who were disobedient and stubborn, preferring their own ways over the ways of God and died in that condition will be raised to be disciplined and to finish their disciplining. And thirdly, all evil, including Satan, will be destroyed and the taint of rebellion fully expunged from creation. So all things will be new. That's why there are new heavens and a new earth. One of the things missing from the new heavens will be the second heaven, the seat of the demonic, where it functions to oppose God and to oppose the things of God. It'll be destroyed utterly, pulled down, thrown down and emptied out. Satan and all this resistance to God housed in the second heavens according to Ephesians and according to Revelation 12 will be cast out to the earth because the earth is the situs of final judgments. Again, new heavens and a new earth come at the close of these things being fully, finally resolved. One ought not to lament the passing of either the heavens or the earth because they were designed to accommodate divine purposes until such time as these divine purposes were finished for heaven, for the heavens as we just looked at in the second heavens and for the earth itself. And Jesus then, the Lord Jesus Christ, not the man Jesus but in His full robed and crowned status, the Lord Jesus Christ will declare that all things are new. And you know what? There will be nothing left unchanged. It will be His will. His will will be done in this new configuration of heaven and earth as one, even now as the promise of it is housed in the heavens and migrates progressively into the earth. So, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's more enlightenment about what this should look like. And again, it's an epoch. So during the course of this epoch, 
it'll begin, it'll progress, and it'll culminate in what finishes at the end of the millennium. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, it was said. That's a natural functioning of the amalgamation of the two realms into a realm over which Jesus rules as Lord and we rule and reign with Him in that time as well. And he said simply, and there was no more sea. There was no more sea. What is that? Well, the sea takes on multiple meanings. One of the meanings of sea is humanity. Humanity as a reference to all of the distinctions among human beings. At the end of this fully descended millennial order, we will not be known by our humanity. We'll not be known as distinct nations because the end of all things will reveal one nation, one holy nation, comprised of every tribe, tongue, language and nation, formed into a functioning royal priesthood and a nation whose national identity is inextricably linked to and modeled after and corresponds exactly to the character and the nature of God as manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ, one holy nation. So not many nations, one nation, no more sea. So even if we we take one of the meanings of sea as nations, there'll be no more nations, there will be only one nation truly one nation under God, one holy nation. What else? The seas were viewed as what separated the land masses and we often hear of the roaring and tossing of the sea which may at times analogize to turbulence on the waters, but more especially turbulence among nations. No more turbulence among the nations, no more separation as between the nations. The Hebrew word mem, M-E-M, implies or the symbol of it is uh, the symbol of the surface of the water and is analogous to the term disorder, disorder, chaos. No more disorder, no more chaos. Nation shall not rise against nation, kingdom shall not rise against kingdom. The millennium will be the end of the millennium will produce the physical, the, 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 the promised reality that the kingdom of heaven 
is not food or drink, the emphasis not on material things to be consumed by which to live, but instead it will be defined as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And now with the final rebellion behind us, the revealing of this portion of the millennial epoch will be that of peace that cannot be disturbed. Interestingly, from here on out, there's no reference to turbulence of any kind, no reference to distress. This is indeed the peaceable kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ in full and complete manifestation. Now we'll step back from this final reality to address additional specific issues as they relate to this New Jerusalem that is from above. And some of the things I've already planted in your mind as, what, as how we are to view it will now surface and become in increasingly powerful in their manifestations. One of the main things I said about the New Jerusalem is that it presently exists and we are presently part of it because it is synonymous with the body of Christ and now it will take on uh, uh, another nomenclature, another definition and that is of the Bride of Christ. Each one of these references, like the name of names of God, like the names attributed to Christ, like the names or characteristics attributed to the Holy Spirit, speaks of a different facet of the same thing. So the spirit of wisdom is attributed to the Holy Spirit and so are the spirits of knowledge, understanding and counsel. They're all different but harmonious manifestations of, a di of different emphases of the person of Christ or of the person of the Holy Spirit. God has multiple names, the Everlasting One, the All-Powerful One, the All-Sustaining One, the All-Glorious One, the Almighty One. These are not a singular reference, these are multiple references because no one metaphorical reference can, is sufficient to capture the range of what is true about God. Oddly enough, the same thing is true about the body of Christ. So the New Jerusalem is a reference that is appropriate, the bride is appropriate, the body is appropriate, the army is appropriate, and so on. Each one speaks of a different reference, a different but, but perfectly harmonious iteration of the same thing. When we come back, I will look at the new Jerusalem with respect to the principle of being born from above. 
the bride of Christ uh, with respect to the oneness between the body and the head or the head and the body. Um, the tabernacle to look to the dwelling place of God then and forever and so on. So this is how we are to understand, this is how we are to understand what is symbolically referenced to us but will become the absolute reality then of all the different facets of the Bride of Christ, the Body of Christ and so on, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn and so on. It is the failure to understand these distinctions that causes such casual forming and maintaining of error. Whenever we look in a linear way at these things that are eternal, Again, as I close out this session, I will remind you that what happens now at the beginning of this epoch is an amalgamation and a presentation in final form of things that have been spoken of and represented in symbolic form historically. I'm Sam Solon and we will unpack these things further when we come back. God bless you. I'll see you then. Bye now.